Welcome to the Pre-Vet Pausecast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, and today my guest is Dr. Cynthia Kathir, a graduate from the class of 2018. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not supposed to have favorite classes, but the class of 2018 <laughs> is definitely a favorite, very memorable, cohesive family. Uh, Dr. Kathir, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I'm really excited, too, because you are going to be one of our first veterinarians on the podcast who are not a faculty member at UF. Ooh, great. Some good perspectives for me, hopefully. <laughs> yes, we want to hear from you because a lot of our pre-vet students are going to go off into general practice, and we want to hear what that journey is like, what the transition is like. You graduated in 2018, which is still pretty recent, mm-hmm. so I want to know all about that journey. So let's dive in. Yeah, so private practice was um, very interesting. Honestly, in vet school, you're going to be told by everybody that internships and residencies are the way to go. But if you think about it, everybody you're working with has gone to internships and residencies. Right. Um, So it's easy to forget that there's a lot of other options out there. Um, Private practice, it was, you know, it was it was good in a lot of ways. Um, There, you know, good and bad about everything. Probably one of the things I liked the most about it was that I got to see a very wide variety of things because truth be told, not everybody can afford to go to a specialist. And so you are kind of the front line um, and you will be dealing with a lot of different things and people who can't afford to pay to get things done elsewhere will try to get it done with you. Yeah. Um, So I really liked that kind of challenge and especially because money is a big thing with owners. You got to come up with options that work for people. Um, It's not always going to be, you know, the gold standard textbook things you learned in vet school. You got to figure out what works with what they can do. Um, so I really like that. And then you do also build really great relationships with owners because, um, you know, I was seeing puppies through to when they were adults and it's seeing older dogs through very tough diseases and things like that. And they developed really great relationships and have some really wonderful clients that I love. Um, so that was really great. I like that aspect of it a lot. So when you graduated right now, you're part time at Banfield. Did you immediately go to Banfield full time? Yeah, so I started off full-time with them, and then I also had arranged with them so that I could do some occasional relief work with ER clinics as well as with shelter medicine because I loved shelter med. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what that meant is I would pick up an occasional shift here or there uh, with an ER clinic nearby as well as with um, some of the shelters, things like that. Uh, So shelter med was a passion for you. Surgery is a passion for you. So are we telling vet students that you'll take a job when you graduate, but there are still options outside of that full-time job potentially. Yeah, and a lot of it depends with how you negotiate with your first job and make sure, because there are non-competes and things like that. So there were certain things that I wasn't allowed to do, um, but I kind of worked, I knew what I wanted ahead of time and kind of made sure I worked that into my contract when I negotiated. Okay. Um, But there's definitely lots of opportunities. And so I started off full-time and I was there up until, I did that for just about a year. And then I actually dropped to part-time and I'm one day a week there now. Uh, And then I switched over to doing some relief and locum work with the university um, in their shelter med department. And then I also started picking up some relief elsewhere um, in other private practices. So how does relief work work? Why would a veterinary clinic need a veterinarian to come in who isn't there full time? So that's a great question. Um, Relief work is 
honestly, it's awesome. I love it. Um, a lot of clinics, either if they their staff needs some time off, they'll hire vets to kind of fill in, you know, things like if vets go on maternity leave. Or honestly, there are so many clinics right now that are desperate to hire vets. And if they haven't been able to fill the position, you know, they have this great demand and they their current staff can't kind of fit it. So they have some relief kind of help in and fill bridge that gap until they do end up hiring someone. So there's, you know, a ton of demand. I'm overflowing with offers, honestly. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I assume, too, maybe based on certain times of the year, shelters could get really full or maybe they'll maybe like um, if you get hired at the mall to work at Aeropostale during Christmas time, maybe there's certain transitional times in clinics, too, where they might need more help. Yeah, I mean, for sure, definitely during the holidays, everybody's asking for it. But honestly, year round, wow. I've seen there's a lot of demand, especially with the way the market is right now. There's just so much demand for veterinarians that there's tons of offers. And you can do some really creative things with it. Like there's some relief vets I know that um, will actually book like two, three week or like longer appointments with clinics and travel all around, um, like so going cool. places like Hawaii and Alaska, um, you know, or you can stay local. Like I stay local and I'll, I'll go to places up to two hours around within travel distance. So if you love to travel... And you love to maybe have uh, different settings and clinics, locum and relief work, the interchangeable terms. It might be great for you. Yeah, definitely. It's, oh. it's wonderful. You see a lot of different stuff. You you do have to be pretty adaptable. And I, I'll be honest that when I first started, I was really nervous and I, I didn't, you know, I didn't commit to doing more of this until I'd been out for about a year because I, I felt some serious imposter syndrome. It was a, you know, it was a steep transition going from being a student to being the one kind of in charge. And I think everybody feels that. Um, but you really, you know, UF left me very prepared when I graduated, and um, I had a great mentor that I worked with my first couple months at a clinic, um, so I had somebody that I could go to and ask second opinions on, and she really helped me transition, and then once I got a little bit more comfortable, I'm, you know, now I'm at the point where I'm going to clinics and I'm happy to work by myself. Um, in the beginning, I specifically would only go places that I knew there were other doctors working. Mm, smart. Um, but yeah, but you'd be surprised, surprised at how quickly you adapt and, and grow as a vet. So you're saying that UF prepared you, and we mentioned shelter med and surgery, so you got the shelter med certificate. I did. I did that and the business certificate, actually. Okay. So UF prepared you to kind of understand how a business runs. It prepared you to understand shelter medicine and all the different nuances of shelter med. And if you're interested in shelter med, we do go over that with Dr. Crawford in one of our earlier episodes. So go ahead and listen to that. I want to talk about your surgical experience. Yeah. So that was probably one of the best things about UF for me. Like I was an out-of-state student and I originally picked the school because I just fell in love with the hospital because it was so <laughs> beautiful and big and I knew they had a massive caseload and I'd be exposed to a lot. Um, but I really fell into shelter med as a student and, and I just I fell in love with the profession. Um, essentially, with the shelter certificate, you get the chance to do kind of a spay-neuter rotation. You do a shelter externship. They give you other opportunities um, to find other externships. Um, I was really kind of a bit of an overachiever, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but I loved surgery. And so I spent a lot of time volunteering with Operation Catnip, um, both as a first and second year doing the pre-surgical and post-surgical exam stations. And then as a third and fourth year student, I was doing surgeries. Um, I did multiple externships. And by the time I graduated, I kept track as a student. And this was something that I bragged about in my resumes. And it was a really good selling point. So you should do this as a vet student too. Um, but I had done 662 spays and neuters. And then I had done quite a few other elective procedures like enucleations, a cystotomy, several 
genital amputations, you know, just a variety of other soft tissue things. 662 (laughs) spay neuters, which is so important for shelter medicine. Because if we want to get those animals adopted, that's something we need to do. And private practice too. Um, So you end up, you know, there's not nearly as many, but uh, you still end up doing lots of those procedures. Um, You know, I had opportunities to do, like I did tail lamps and um, cystotomy and some foreign body surgeries, things like that in private practice too. Um, So you, it's, it's an important skill. And a lot of veterinarians, I think, feel a little less confident with it. And part of it's because they didn't really get the chance to do it a lot. And doing it as a student, it was wonderful because I worked with a bunch of different vets. They were overseeing me. I learned a bunch of different techniques. Like it was, it was an amazing experience and, and I'm very comfortable with surgery. Um, and that's probably my strongest asset as a veterinarian. And thanks to UF, I'm, I'm very, very like, experienced <laughs> with that. So I love that. Yeah. I think it's awesome that you're, you're giving our students right now options. And if you love surgery, Maybe an internship and a residency isn't the route you need to take. You can do tons of surgeries as a an associate veterinarian without that title. Now you're maybe not doing like a hip transplant or no. hip replacement or whatever. <laughs> Certain things I don't feel comfortable yes. with. I'm not interested in. But you, <laughs> you still know, get to do but, some really cool surgeries yeah. and get to make that client connection. Yes, that definitely. a resident or a, a faculty member could be missing because of their schedule. Yeah, which and, you know they do develop relationships yes. too for sure. Um, but definitely. Uh, you know, I get to do that as a private practice. Yeah, a nice long-term relationship. Okay, good. So we've talked about shelter med and surgeries a little bit, how you have prepared you for that. You mentioned imposter syndrome. So go ahead and tell me what it's like as still a semi-new veterinarian navigating going from being a student to being the doctor. So first month or two, um, it was pretty terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I used to stare at the schedule and because clients will tell you kind of what they're coming in for. And I would stare at the schedule, go down the list and start like looking up things, like mm. trying to be prepared. And yes. the thing is, when they come in, it's never what they tell you it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's always something different. Um, so that was something to get used to. Uh, basically... I really encourage you to try to go someplace where you have a good support system. As I said, you know, working where there's going to be somebody else on staff with you at all times is great so that you can just, even if it's something really simple or basic, you can pop over and ask them because it's, it's a transition where, you know, as a vet student, you know what medications you need to use, you know what like the treatment, recommended treatment plan is, but it's really, you know, I remember my first week where I told my technician I wanted to order up a certain medication for an animal and she just turns and looks at me and is like, okay, how much and, and what? And, and I, I just had this moment where I was like, oh, oh my God, she's looking at me like I, I'm the one in charge here. Yes. <laughs> um, so getting used to that and like making, you know, knowing all the nitty gritty details and being able to talk owners through all that, that's definitely a bit of a change. And, and you learn on your feet and you're never going to know everything. So really just having a support system and knowing what resources to use, because I'm still day to day, I'll get cases where either I haven't seen one in a long time, or, you know, maybe it's my first one that I've ever seen, um, where I'm still pulling out my notes or pulling up a quick, you know, link or resource that I have to double check something and and kind of make sure that I'm doing the right thing. Yes. Um, So yeah, it's important to know you will never know everything and that's okay. (laughs) Yes. And you might, and for a while you might not feel totally comfortable. And when you get to vet school too, you're going to feel like that. Do I deserve to be here? Do I belong here? Is this, did they make a mistake? Um, so that's something that you guys will be struggling with. Yeah, no, I definitely felt Most that in the beginning life. too. <laughs> yeah, and it, so it's good to know that it's coming, so you're yeah. not shocked. And everybody feels it. Honestly, everybody, all my friends, we were just, we had this group chat we used to talk in, and, and we were just panic yeah. <laughs> in the beginning. And but here you okay. are, a year and a through. half later, a veterinarian doing all these cool things. Yeah. Um, so you guys will, you know, Dr. Kathir made it through, and, and you will too. 
Yes. Um, talk to me about work-life balance with your schedule, because you have yeah. like a, a not necessarily a nine-to-five, I'm assuming. No. So I'll be honest, I didn't have the best work-life schedule in the beginning. Um, my husband tells me I'm a workaholic, and with my extra shifts I was picking up, I was working a full-time job plus a part-time job. Um, the hours can be long. Medicine is unpredictable. So, you know, they'll tell you you're scheduled off at five or seven and you get that 6.45 p.m. walk in that's been vomiting and not eating for like months and is doing terrible. And all of a sudden you're there till like nine o'clock. And, and that's OK. That happens. But then you have days where you get off on time and everything's good. Um, I think really just trying to pick a job that's going to suit your needs um, is important because, for example, part of the reason I decided to step back from my full-time job in the beginning was because they were open seven days of the week, mm. and I was working a lot of weekends, and I wasn't really getting to spend time with my family, and that that was important to me. Um, so relief work was great because I set my own schedule and kind of do that. And then I'm actually transitioning to a new job in January. Um, I got hired by the ASPCA, and we'll be working for them four days a week um, and staying one day a week in another clinic. But I've set my schedule, so now I'm going to be working Monday through Friday. Um, nice. So for me, that's, that's really big, and I, I'm really happy with that. So you have flexibility. You can kind of negotiate and figure it out. Um, don't sell yourself short as a new grad. Uh, there's a lot of places hiring and you don't feel the need to kind of take whatever's offered to you. Like tell them what you want and work with them and, and they can sometimes figure that out. Or, you know, jobs don't always work out. <laughs> a lot of people change their jobs in the first year. A and lot of okay. people. Yeah, I'd say probably definitely over half my class switched jobs within the first year. Yeah, I'm thinking of a year. bunch of names I know yeah. that aren't at the same <laughs> clinic. So um, yeah. there's unpredictability in the healthcare field, but also in the position that you choose. So just think of it like this. If you picture a hospital with human doctors, they don't just leave at five o'clock. If something's Definitely going not, on, no. if there's a case, they have to stay and see that case through. And, yeah. and um, you know, Dr. Kathir is right. If someone walks in, you're not leaving. Nope. Like you, it's your passion <laughs> and you're not going to leave that client sitting there. So it's good to know that the hours are not going to be the same every day yeah. per se. It's 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 going to be inconsistent. Um, and again, like I said, it depends on what you do. Um, so obviously, like private practice or working in residency or, or internships, you're going to have pretty long hours. But um, you can pick jobs. Like, for example, if you work at like a spay and neuter clinic or if you work in a shelter or things like that, you know, they can have more concrete hours. Um, and you can set those for yourselves and, and make it work in a way for you. You just got to figure out what you want. And honestly, in the beginning, it's... I don't regret working really, really hard in the beginning because I wanted to expose myself to a whole lot while I was still kind of fresh and absorbing things yeah. before I got set in my ways of practicing. Yeah. Um, so it's not not a bad thing to work work a lot, but you can you need to figure out what you want and then make it happen. And then change it if it's not yeah, working. So exactly. it's a good know yourself question. What kind of work-life balance do you want? Will the job that you're applying to give you that work-life balance? If it does, great. If it doesn't, you could take the job and then change later yeah and there's so much variability in the vet field it's great like you can go work in research if you want you can yeah. go like work for government like you you don't have to actually work with animals if you don't yeah. want to do you that, don't have which to sounds crazy but you know there were one or two vets i knew that that felt that way <laughs> well and a lot of our faculty members who are in like the dean of students office they don't see animals anymore yeah. but they yeah. want to work with students or our mental health counselor was a dvm and now she wants to work with students with mental health so it can change any time yeah. which like Teaching, for example, it's, I didn't realize I liked teaching and discovered oh, you would be the last a great year I professor. loved it. Yeah, well, the, the job that I'm taking, I'm going to be spending four days a week training students in surgical oh, techniques. So, like, that's kind of, you know, I never thought that was going to be where I was going to end up, and I'm, I'm really excited. Oh, that's good. What I really I'm want. glad. That is good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you kind of mentioned negotiating um, with your position and salaries and all of that. Did you work with our career counselor? So I did meet with um, with her a couple times. Mm -hmm. um, I also, as I mentioned, I did the business certificate. Right. So um, my... One of my kind of like mentors in vet school um, is really involved with that. Mm -hmm. So I actually went to her a lot, too. She looked over a lot of my contracts and helped me with some of that, too. Um, there's 
a lot of resources and there's a lot of people at UF that are very vocal about wanting to help you. Um, so you just have to you know, make the effort to reach out to them, but they, yeah. they make themselves very available. And that was very helpful to me in the beginning. It's really nice to hear from a recent grad about the different resources that you utilize to help prepare you. And we, we talk about on the podcast a lot, just using the resources that you have. And if you don't use them, you're not going to be as prepared. And it sounds like you feel pretty prepared to go into business, do your surgeries, do shelter med. So I'm glad you took advantage of that. And for those of you who aren't taking advantage of that, it's time to start using the resources around you. If you're at UF undergrad, there are thousands of resources and opportunities. If you're at a smaller college, you have a lot of opportunities too. So just make sure you're utilizing them so you don't feel as unprepared and nervous when you get out. Yeah. And honestly, I do remember when I was an undergrad student, I felt kind of shy or embarrassed or didn't really want to, like, I felt like I was imposing on Tell my time. Tell them where you went to undergrad. Um, so I went to Cornell University for undergrad, and then I did a master's at Royal Veterinary College in London. Um, but when I was an undergrad, I always felt kind of nervous reaching out to people or like I was embarrassed, even though like I knew I wanted to be a vet and was really passionate about it. And the truth is, a lot of the people that are working here, like the professors and all of them, they're, they're here because they love teaching and they mm -hmm. want to help you. So yes. even if you're not totally sure of what you want or, or any of that, or you're a little shy, just just reach out to them. You'd be amazed at how thrilled and happy they are to help you and that they, they're there specifically for that reason. So it's please true. take advantage of it. It's going to help you out a lot in the long run. I agree. Totally agree. Uh, Dr. Kathir, what have you not told the students that you think would be helpful to them as they embark on this vet med journey? What do they need to hear from you? Ooh. Um, oh, so many things. <laughs> Honestly, just never forget why you're here and Trust yourself and believe in yourself because it's really easy. Like, you know, we talked about imposter syndrome. It's, it's really easy to doubt yourself. You're going to experience setbacks in everything you do. That's okay. It happens to everyone. Just keep persevering. Keep reminding yourself of what you, why you're here, what you want, what your goals are, and, and you can do it. Like, and, and then use your, use your resources to help you yes, whenever you are you struggling. <laughs> Agreed. Well, I want to thank Dr. Kathir for being on the podcast today, helping us understand uh, navigating that new venture of graduating from vet school, becoming a veterinarian, maybe switching around in the field a little bit to a position that works best for our work-life balance, all the while knowing that in whatever position we're in, we might feel a little bit of imposter syndrome, and that's okay and totally normal. We're going to miss you um, being around nearby, <laughs> but we're excited for you and all of our future vets, um, wherever you go and, and move the profession forward. So thank you for being on the show today. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. Good. Well, I'm Alex Avellino, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.